The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As you begin your spiritual journey, you are often told what to do and receive advice on which path to follow. But as you move along, eventually you need to become your own guide. Progress can be difficult at times, but once you reach new levels of awareness, the inner vistas are spectacular. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your guide and companion is Giles Asselin. Come join us now on this path of exploration. Here is your host, Giles Asselin. Good afternoon or good evening, everyone. This is Jill. Welcome or welcome back to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Um, today is uh, episode 19, 19 and counting. I will be there next week, promise. And um, happy to be here. Beautiful day today in New Jersey. Clear blue sky. Lots of green around, as you can imagine. Uh, irises are in, bloom, are in bloom at the moment. These are the flowers of the of the week of the past two weeks. Moving on to something else, uh, azaleas also. I think are in bloom. So I hope you had a good week. Um, I had an interesting week. Not so much that you know anything big happened to me or happened to us uh, as a family, but um, I think. Things are coming in very nicely in terms of the show. And um, that made me think about last week's topic as well, you know, plowing the field. Once you plow the field, once you get rid of the impurities in a sense, you know, the things that are laying at at the bottom of your life that have been um, so-called polluting your life, then uh, you can start sowing. And in a sense, uh, when I look at the process of uh, preparing a show, it's a bit like that. You know, I I plow the field when I, when I plant my stick in the ground uh, when I decide about a topic. And again, it feels very... Um, very organic, you know, very, very natural, I guess. It comes, it comes from within, obviously. And sometimes it's uh, inspiration or intuition. But this week also, a lot of things came, and especially on Monday. Monday was a day where I kept reading things and experiencing things about guilt. And um, if you listen to one of my previous shows, I guess, uh, guilt has been a, a big thing in my life, um, Something that I um, kind of internalized at a fairly young age, um, when I was maybe 10, 12, 13, I don't know exactly when. But there was, uh, as I said, there was a lot of yelling in the family, in the, in the kitchen, especially on dinner time. And for whatever reason, I internalized the guilt of not being able to, to fight and support my father. And it's, uh, you know, it's a very... Um, a very vicious uh, feeling in a sense. And I, I don't know exactly my mother's yelling was there to to create the cause in a sense, but I'm still wondering, you know, why did this happen? Um, 
why would a 12 year old feel guilty for not being able to defend um my dad was maybe 40 45 at the time you know it's um interesting question so this is a very um a very topic which is close to my heart and just close to my to my to my destiny I, i'm not um hesitant of using that word the word destiny because um once we start looking at things, you know, uh, when look back after what happened and um, how things progress in our lives, we realize that, you know, possibly this, this seed of guilt, which at first sight, you know, may appear as something um, malevolent, you know, something which is not really beneficial because it, it brings a burden in a sense. It, it brings a burden. It brings some sort of a poison within but in the end, uh, because of the work I was able to do consciously or possibly unconsciously during all these years of Buddhist practice, uh, I came out. I came out um, possibly as a new being. And, um, you know, without that seed implanted in me 40-some years ago, what would I be today? I mean, I don't know. And uh, it's not. it's beyond the questioning. But... Um, the reflection order was, I will tell you exactly what happened uh, on Monday. Small things, bits of pieces about guilt uh, coming from three different angles. And, and again, it's not so much that there were big things or that I reacted within. In fact, I didn't. Uh, what was very interesting is this, um, call it uh, synchronicity if you want, or call it the universe uh, supporting the show. I mean, it, uh, that's the only way I can see it. But I mean, within, within three or four hours, Monday morning, again, I had three instances uh, of guilt uh, coming into my radar or, or coming into, into my life. And, and I looked at it as, you know, with, with different eyes because of, again, of what I went through in, in, um, in all these years. And especially I mentioned in a show maybe six, seven or eight weeks ago, this, this experience of um, healing that I went through in October, in Breckenridge, when I was attending the retreat uh, from the Vajra Flame Foundation. And suddenly on a Sunday evening, just to give you a brief um, summary, you know, things popped up. And it's like a light was blinking uh, Sunday evening, the first full day of the retreat. And from then on, I started, you know, inquiring, you know, what is this, um, this light mean, this blinking light? And the more I dug, I guess, uh, in spelunking style, the more I dug, you know, the more I found things that were related to my life and that had to do with my feelings toward my father and my feelings towards myself because of what happened to my father and the fact I wasn't able to protect him. So, so I think there's always, you know, the universe is really a great... I don't know what you call the universe or the divine, the source, God, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I think what matters is what, what happens in your life and what, uh, how you're being guided. Uh, I think it's impossible not to, to think that there's something at work in, in this world, in this universe, and that eventually um, we get to the point, we get to the, uh, to the growth point where we are supposed to, to be, where we're supposed to arrive. And I think that's the... That's the beauty. And adding a little bit about that, I think it's, um, it's not always easy to look at something that happens to us, which is um, negative or creates um, illness or disease of the mind or, or of the being in ourselves. 
And looking back at that and seeing the, the beauty of it and seeing the, the benefit of um, these seeds again being implanted in our lives. And I remember what these instances on Monday morning made me think of also is the, um, about 11 years ago, I think the year was 2004 in the spring, I was attending a workshop in, um, in a place called Tiverton. Uh, it's in Rhode Island, right by the sea. And there were like 10, 12 of us. I think the title of the workshop, if I'm not mistaken, was Work, uh, Purpose, Peace, or something like that, and Place. And um, we were a good group. And at some point, there was a woman, I could tell, we could tell that she was fairly afflicted by something. And uh, she never said exactly what it was, but I thought it was obviously something very tragic, uh, possibly a rape. I don't know. I mean, it's something really um, daunting really happened to her. And we didn't know also how long before the workshop it was, but I would say um, a few years back. And, and I was still, you know, you can sense, you know, um, I wouldn't say mourning, but um, some pain, some pain seeping through the cracks, exactly what I felt when I was in, um, in Wisconsin for my dark night of the soul. And at some point, something in me um, kind of exploded and I, I, I tried to support her the best I could. And I was talking about the goal that she had within her. Uh, what she had experienced, you know, uh, it's not all about dark or all about darkness. There is beauty in many things. It's just a question of being able to see it and maybe flipping things around and looking at it from a different perspective, from a different angle. But because of what she experienced, I'm sure she would be, you know, able to help many people and possibly many women. It's a very, if it's a very woman thing that really happened to her. And, and, and that's the beauty of it. It's the beauty that puts us on a special track. And I think this track with uh, the capital T is called, it's our mission. Uh, call it destiny if you wish. I mean, there's different ways to look at it. But I think there's so, some defining moments in our lives and some of the defining moments um, are not the most uh, glorious or the, the brightest. You know, when I think about my childhood, which was a good childhood, I was pretty reckless. I mean, playing in the streets uh, near my house, near our house, some good friends. And then there was, you know, some, some sort of um, trauma at home. And the trauma has been, you know, affecting me for quite a number of years until I found, uh, I would say, until I found the fortitude within to, to look at what it was and to embark on a journey, on a journey of healing. And again, without that kind of a childhood, how can you do that? How can you discover uh, the treasure that each of us possess within? And I'm talking about childhood here, but it could be something very different. I'm sure that um, each of us has a, some, at least not one, but possibly more than one defining moments in our lives. And um, it could be many things. I mean, it doesn't mean there has to be a dark moment, but what I'm saying, the point I'm trying to make here is what looks very dark, what looks very um, painful at first, and which is, I'm not denying the fact, uh, may have like a, a golden crust in a sense, you know, it could be um, encircled in a sense into, um, into a golden package and, and cut that we are from within, from within our little uh, ego, ego self. We cannot 
have a big picture of what it is. So I think it's important to escape. And paradoxically, I think the, the way to escape is the way within. So if you think about spelunking, it's a way to go into the dark. And it's, uh, it's an escape route, uh, believe it or not. So I found that was, um, that was very interesting. And what I'm sharing now is my reflection based on what happened Monday morning. So I'm going to turn things around and tell you exactly what happened uh, Monday morning, which is, again, by reading things on the internet. Uh, the first um, instance of guilt came from a post, a post from a website. It's a website in French from my uh, friend um, Elisabeth Berger, which I mentioned in the very first show. I don't know if she's listening tonight. I say, bonsoir, Elisabeth. And um, there was a very nice post to which I responded. So I kept getting um, messages, you know, following the, um, the links, in a sense. And uh, there was one woman who was in a private discussion, but everything is public, which is also the beauty of it. Um, and she was talking to my friend Elizabeth about her situation. And, and I think there was a very deep feeling of her uh, of being a so-called bad mother, and then this may have been triggered by some criticism from a, from a daughter. She had a daughter and she was reflecting on the time back uh, 35 years ago when she was uh, 30 years ago. So uh, at this time, she's about 55. And, um, you know, it's like you're trying to think back about that time. And in a sense, if, it's, if you understand things correctly, because there was no discussion between this woman and I, you know, a daughter, in a sense, planted the seed in her by criticizing the kind of um, upbringing that she received. And um, this woman apparently was unable to get herself out of that um, readiness and out of that picture and take a, a, bigger, a bigger perspective. And it's not easy, but um, I fell for her. And there was, you know, continuing posts. So I've seen at least three or four posts on exchange between this woman and my friend Elizabeth. And it was very beautiful. I think what came out also um, as an example is uh, this woman made herself very vulnerable. And I admire her for that. Uh, it's something that, you know, I, I mentioned early on in terms of um, qualities, if you, if you wish, or attributes uh, that are necessary on the path. And um, it was really a heart-to-heart -heart dialogue, and I think it's the kind of um, exchange we need in our world, you know, to be able to move forward and possibly to move away from, uh, apart from that doing orientation, which tends to be more task-oriented. So I really enjoy that, um, that exchange, and I I'm, I'm feel very grateful for being a witness to it. And the second instance of, of gratitude that I um, witnessed, not witnessed, but uh, read on the website also, is about um, uh, a daycare. Our son will be going to a new daycare during the summer. I think I mentioned earlier on that um, the daycare is now is closing, so we've been doing some search, visiting some places. And one of the daycares that we visited um, as a, a page where people post their comments. And one, there was like a lot of good, uh, very appreciative comments about the quality of the daycare. And one woman felt, you know, because the daycare was so good, she wasn't feeling so guilty uh, dropping a daughter in the morning. And that's, that's what it was. And I thought it's interesting that, you know, you connect the feeling of guilt 
uh, by dropping a young daughter, I don't know, two or three years old at a daycare. You know, this is, this is life. And then I mentioned that to my wife and she said, you know, men and women have different perspectives. And I think she had a very good point. And um, at the same time, you know, uh, because of what I experienced, I was, in a sense, testing my groove. Uh, you know, there's been a groove in my life at a very early age. And what was in the groove for such a number of years is apparently no longer present. And I kind of questioned, you know, what, what is there now as the groove being um, filled with something else? Uh, is it still a groove? It's... Um, it's an interesting questioning. It's, it's, it's part of the spelling king, you know, what, what came, I think. And uh, to me, love is the answer. Love is the answer to many things. You know, once we, we dig out the dirt, we dig out the pain, we dig out the trauma, and uh, we plow the field, in a sense. And then, um, and then it's where the work starts. So this was the second instance. And the third one um, had to do with our situation. Um, still with the daycare, with our son's daycare, there was a, a field trip, a very close by field trip for our son Tuesday morning. Well, they were going next door to the gym to swim apparently and do some dancing or gymnastics. I don't know exactly, but it was like a, a half-day field trip. And considering the situation of the daycare at the moment, which is you know going to close within a month, we thought, you know, we don't know how many parents are going to send their kids to the field trip. So we didn't do anything and didn't hear anything. And there was a deadline and we missed the deadline. And, and we assumed that nothing was going on or that the field trip wasn't popular. And then the day before, Monday, Monday morning, we realized or I realized that um, this field trip was going on and all the kids were excited. And um, I asked, you know, is it still possible to sign on... Uh, our son for the field trip and there was no more space. So something that we assumed, you know, wouldn't be so popular in the end it turned out to be very popular and we were, you know, left, um, left out in a sense. Our son was left out and it's, um, you feel sorry, you feel sorry for him and I guess uh, obviously, you know, naturally a feeling of guilt would be, um, would be coming. And, um, in this case, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, there's not much you can say or not much you can do. I mean, he, he stayed in daycare the rest of the morning and he still had a good time. He played outside and uh, on the playground. So, uh, But again, it's the idea of, of guilt popping up in my life at this point. I didn't feel bad, I guess. It's, I think um, when something happened, obviously, intention is very important. And we had no intention of depriving him of a, of a field trip next door. Uh, we want him to grow as much as possible and we want him to, to blossom, you know, once the field is being plowed. Then you see the field and then you let it, you, you let it grow, you watch it grow. And um, a child is a very good example of, of, um, of growth and, and blossoming and epanouissement uh, in French. It's a very um, beautiful world. But again, what I was reflecting on for all these three uh, instances is um, what happened in my life. And I was, um, I was pleased to see that, you know, in a sense, things are being thrown at me again after all these years, after all this, this digging, this cleansing, 
this is plowing us at the same time you have to prepare the field so that you can uh, remove what needs to be removed and put something else in place and um, that's where I was Monday morning after reading all of this I was I was just fine and um, that's what I wanted to share for with you in this first segment but I think it's it shows the necessity and the beauty of doing the work that I'm encouraging you to do you know to go within to dig, to explore, to see what happened, and, and possibly why also is a very big question. It's not an easy question to answer. Um, again, maybe that's what the universe wants you to, wants us to experience. But I think down the road, there, there were going to be, there is going to be, I'm, I'm definitely sure. I don't know how soon or how late, but there's always an answer coming. So thank you very much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Thanks again very much for listening. And welcome back to the dance between inner being and outer doing. Uh, in a few minutes, I will explain to you why this topic uh, came about and, and how, and how it relates to also to the work that I've been doing uh, for the past 20 years when you look at uh, different uh, cultural orientation. One more thing that popped up in my life, so to speak, this week is, um, is a Buddhist text. I mean, a couple of Buddhist um, excerpts from different schools of Buddhism as part of my studies in um, Christian studies. And um, guess what? They talk about the mind. And the mind is a topic which was, uh, which is still dear to me um, seven, eight weeks ago. 
and I was trying to explore this thing called the mind and that doesn't always um, have an equivalent in um, other languages, languages other than English. And the point is not about, you know, I'm not going to go into this definition, but I wanted to read or share with you um, a beautiful part coming from the Dalai Lama. And it's uh, one of his discourses. I don't know how old or recent it is, but um, I think it really gets to the point of what I was uh, sharing and saying. And, um, and it goes to the point also of our goodness, in a sense. And what, what Buddhism is trying to, again, the image that comes from is to, to help us grow something within. It goes back to the, the idea of plowing the field and, and planting a garden. And then once you plant supposedly in the right direction, you want the plants, you want the shoots to go up, to shoot up. And then it's up to you to, you know, to take care of the garden, to tend to the garden with the right, in Buddhism you would say the right actions, the right words, and the right thoughts. So I will share two paragraphs with you about uh, what the Dalai Lama said. Here it goes. Certain people possess baggage of intellectual and cultural importance and uh, the presumption that they have great minds believe that Dharma or Buddhist teachings has no value and is only good for those who live in the wild and in isolated regions. But what indeed is Dharma? It is evidently not to wear a special robe, to build monasteries and to perform complicated rites. This may go hand in hand with Dharma, but it is not in any way Dharma itself. The true practice of Dharma is within. It is a peaceful, open, open and generous mind, a mind which one has learned to tame what is completely controlled, when that is completely controlled. Even if a person can recite the whole Tripitaka by heart, yet be an egoist and do wrong to others, one would not be practicing Dharma. The practice of Dharma is what allows one to be true, faithful, honest, and humble. What prompts one to assist and respect other people and make sacrifices for them. End of quote. And I love the beauty and simplicity of, of this Buddhist sharing. And the true practice of Dharma is within. It is a peaceful, open, and generous mind, a mind, a mind which has learned which one has learned to tame, one that is completely controlled. And to tame is one word I used uh, a few weeks back when I was talking about the mind. Um, Amadwe also is the French word you know, to become more gentle, to become friend with your mind. And I'm glad to see that it's been reflected in the Dalai Lama's um, words. Uh, I don't know if words themselves do make a difference. I think obviously what is more ex- important is what you experience within and you experience in terms of the power of your mind. And at some point, maybe your mind is controlled. Maybe your mind is tamed. Maybe your mind is subdued. Um, maybe your mind, another way to put it, maybe your mind starts to cooperate. To, to cooperate with um, a grander self, a grander idea of yourself, or something I would call your, our higher self or our soul. But um, it starts to align. I think there's, a, there's an alignment within 
which I will be talking in the, in the next few weeks, uh, especially with a friend of mine called um, Stefan Skelton, who is going to be coming on, um, on board in a few weeks' time. But there's, there's um, at some point, you know, there's a, a unity in consciousness, in a sense, that takes place within, and that makes you uh, makes us move forward in the, in the right direction, and not always fighting the power of our mind. And it can be very um, daunting, very fatiguing, you know, to keep fighting your thoughts. In my case, I mean, I, I think I'm fairly good with actions and 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 words. I, I'm able to control. I hope not always, but I hope most of the time to control what I say. But when it come or when it came to my thoughts, it's not that easy. I have to admit, you know, it's not easy. And the thoughts keep coming. All the things kept coming and they were coming, as I said, much more vigorously 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, now, they do come, but I guess they are not as powerful and they are not... Um, they're not full of pressure, and still, you know, my mind tricks me from time to time. I see where it's coming from, but usually after the fact. And that's um, something I would want to reflect on. It's something also that I reflected early on when I came to the U.S. It's interesting that Dalai Lama talks about people who possess baggage of intellectual and cultural importance. And I, I have some education at the master's level in France and the U.S., and... and Within, again, I wasn't boasting about what I was studying or how much I had studied, but within, I had that, that feeling of being superior, that's the word, to some other people just because I had more. I had uh, quantity. I had more knowledge than some others. And, and you realize it, it's all coming from, from insecurity. Why was I feeling that, um, I would say, about 20 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago? It's very clear in my mind, and um, I don't know, why do you feel insecure? You know, what is coming from? Why do I need to, to put some people down because they have less education? And why do I need to put myself up, uh, possibly on a pedestal? And it, it, it's very obvious. Again, it's insecurity driving, was driving me. And um, again, the questioning here is, where is it coming from? In my case, most likely from my childhood and for the security that I didn't get when I was a child and possibly on the importance that my parents placed on education. Uh, there's many different kinds. I think what really matters is, again, is to look back and th this feeling, this feeling, this negative uh, seed, this, this poison is no longer a part of who you are. And it's, it's a clear sign of progress. But it's not quite like a, a landmark. You realize one day that, oh, this thought is no longer there. You put your finger where it used to be very painful, and it doesn't hurt anymore, in a sense. That's what you do with thoughts, too, as well. You can point. You can go to an area where your ego feels inflated, in a sense. And um, you go back a few years later, and, and the ego doesn't react the same way. And you realize, you realize that because of the ego's deflation, in a sense, there has been, there has been spiritual progress in your life. So I'm saying this and I'm sharing this because progress can take very, very, very many different forms. It's not only a question of um, being more knowledgeable or being more skilled or being more attuned. Uh, it is, in a sense, or it is in terms of being able to align yourself with the universe and possibly um, connect with other entities. 
but it's all these small you know things on the path these small pebbles that allow you to make progress and i very much value this because it's it's a clear sign that's something you know a negative a weed in a sense when you plow the field you turn the field inside out in a sense and you're able to remove the weed because the weed is being exposed and that's what you do in your spiritual practice you expose your weeds and um, it's exactly what the second paragraph of the Dalai Lama uh, says he talks about our own faults so here it is it is possible for anyone to practice Dharma because it does not imply the obligation to sacrifice everything and go meditating in a cave. We can practice Dharma in our daily life by performing non-worldly acts in this physical world. For this, you must have a mind that is noble, full of good, full of goodwill, open, neither agitated nor combative, one that wishes to advance quickly on the road to spirituality. I love this one. Begin this very evening. Do not wait to do this later. Be vigilant about little faults that appear inoffensive at first sight. For example, beware of those little lies. People lie as it suits them, without evil, evil intent, and even without noticing it. These are subject to karmic law. One must be rid of these and not lose heart. Do not say, Dharma is out of my reach. I am only a fisherman. We are all poor fishermen. Yet from this evening on, we should make the effort to change a little. I, too, from this moment on, examine what faults I still have. Do the same yourself, and let not things pass by as before, making your presumed inability an excuse. It's a, it's a beautiful paragraph. A beautiful example, you know, it's like... When it comes to our faults, um, again, the most difficult ones, faults or whatever, afflictions or whatever you want to, you know, to look into, things you want to remove, things um, in the words that I use nowadays, things I want to, to remove, the things that no longer serve me or serves us on the path, false beliefs, you know, things like this, like I'm superior to others because I have more education. It's something that needed to go a long time ago and I'm glad it did. But these things, you know, because of our functioning and so much goes into our unconscious and we have so little awareness available in our conscious life, we're not always aware of that. And that's why it's important to have good um, guides and guides can be just people around us that can send us feedback. And the feedback can be, you know, verbal, but it can also be energetic feedback. Uh, when things do not flow between people, there may be a block and it's a good question to ask on both sides or together, what is it that um, is blocking our, our progress, our communication? And um, that's what it is, you know, thinking about our thoughts, um, those weeds, those um, roots that are still um, part of the field. And if we don't remove them, um, things are not going to grow uh, you know, healthily in a sense, uh, there will still be something stuck in the process, and we have to make sure that the soil is pretty is pretty pure. And there was um, one more thing, also very, 
very synchronistic um, that I wanted to share. It came on my lap also, again, during the course of the week. Last time we were in France, I bought a, we bought a book to our, to our son, a book of fables. Fables from um, a French uh, author or philosopher called Jean de La Fontaine. Uh, these fables are very, his fables are very famous. Uh, one of the most famous is the, um, the crow and the fox. And also there's another one called the tortoise and the hare. And um, this guy lived, just to let you know, it's, it's really, um, I call that not a landmark, but someone very important in school. You learn about these fables in elementary school and usually you learn about them by heart. I don't know what it is now, but uh, it was really a monument. That's what I was looking for. It's a, it's a monument of, of French education. And um, this person lived in 17 centuries, between 1621 and 1695, just to give you an idea of how, how long he's been able to uh, influence and impact uh, French education. And one of these uh, fables, again, right on the money in a sense, is the laboureur et ses enfants, the farmer and his kids. And there's a moral to the fable, and the, the moral is very much about what I wanted to talk about today, about the inner being, about the intangible part of who we are in terms of, again, realizing something about ourselves as opposed to the doing, which tends to be more tangible, which much more something you do, something concrete, something you can see the results. Um, again, about removing weeds or faults within, you see the results, but you can't touch them with your finger. If you're more into the doing orientation of, 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 the, of ourselves, in a sense, of our life, you know, if you're, if you're more into task, if you're more into um, achievement, that's the word that goes with it, uh, you won't say it the same way. So I wanted to read the, um, to read the fable to you. It's a, it's a short one, but it's also um, a beautiful one. And again, it's called the laboureur. Le laboureur is the very... The very word that means to plow, the person who plows and the, who turns the soil around. So here is the fable. Work, take pains. It is the capital least likely to default. A rich farmer, feeling his death approach, called his children to him and spoke without witnesses. Beware, he said, of selling the heritage which our parents left to us. A treasure is hidden there. I'm not sure in which place, but a little courage will help you find it. You will get to it at last. Turn over your field when the August harvest is over. Clear out, rake over, and dig. Leave no spot where hands have not passed and repassed. When the father died, the sons went back to the field, hither and thither, everywhere. So well that at the end of the year, they had earned more money, but found none hidden. But the father was wise to show them before his death that work itself is a treasure. Work itself is a treasure. The notion of hard work, the notion of toil, the notion of, you know, clear out, wake over and dig, leave no spot where hands have not passed and repassed. And it, you know, it fits so beautifully with um, this notion of spelunking. It's really the kind of work and the, the assiduousness that we need to 
to demonstrate along the path the more serious um, we are or the more so-called serious or disciplined we are in our efforts um, usually the better the results it's not a question of you know how quick Dalai Lama said also he used the word quickly I, I, I smile when I read that but I, I think it's a question of being diligent diligent and, and disciplined and using um, simple things like you know this notion of hard work that's what makes the field glow in a sense that's what produces a very nice crop because of the work the effort we put in so this fable that really fell into my lap as I was reading to our son um, a few days back is really uh, encompassing many things I've been talking about um, talking about the path itself how we walk the path how we descend into our spelunking efforts and, and the kind of things we find from within that's where the beauty is that's where the gold is uh, that's what I was saying earlier on about this woman who had um, something traumatic in her life, you know. Because we look outside and our ego projects things outside of ourselves more into the doing side of who we are, uh, more into the tangible side. We forget to, to look within and to look at the gold, to look at the, the diamond that uh, exists uh, at the core of our life. And that's what we need to keep doing. We need to keep, uh, we need to keep shining the diamond so that it, it can, you know, become um, resplendissant in French. It can come sort of shiny one that, you know, sends light out to just about um, anyone. So I thought it was a very beautiful, um, beautiful fable. And I wanted to share it uh, with you. Thanks for, thanks for listening again. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You 
are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Thanks for listening and being there today. So in the previous segment, um, I was sharing this beautiful fable from um, Jean de La Fontaine, Laboureur et ses enfants. Again, that, that shows the, the value of the, the hard work. The hard work in terms of spelunking, but also you know, the point is to look within. And it, it goes back to the topic of the day. Finally, I'm able to to stay on topic a little bit more and talk about this inner being and, and this outer doing. And I, I'm sure you understand already the dichotomy uh, when the doing has more to do with the, the material, uh, the tangible, the measurable, uh, everything which is objectively uh, measured. When the inner being, you know, there, there's a path for each of us, but are there really, you know, rules or yardsticks or landmarks that all of us can use? I don't believe so. I think I said early on, you know, there's about 7.25 billion people on Earth, and I believe there's about 7.25 billion paths. paths. And um, that's the way it is. So I think the, the only way, again, the only way is to go within and to find out about our own path. And, and the, one I, the reason I wanted to bring this dichotomy uh, to the fore is because Again, in the work I was doing for about 20 years in the field of cross-cultural relations, there's one very important or a key cultural orientation called, um, on one side is the doing, again, the tangible, uh, that relates to the task, to the affiliation. And on the other side, it what relates to what we call affiliation or people. And this could be a cultural notion on a, cultural notion on a, on a grander scale, on a national level, but if you think about the inner being, is our own relationship with ourselves. You know, it applies to the same way. So are we immersed uh, totally into this doing kind of thing, you know, uh, based on all the standards that society throws at us? And by society, I mean our schools. Um, you know, the grades, it's a good example. The grades, it's, it's measurable. Uh, in some countries, it goes from 1 to 20, and some others, it goes from A to F. But there's a standards of, of measurement that you can apply, it's, and it's all about the doing. Think, think about the way um, more or less all societies around the world are, are educating the children, uh, instructing the children. It has to do a lot with doing and, and skills and what you're able to, um, to show, to demonstrate that you are capable of doing the knowledge, uh, knowledge, and how can you regurgitate uh, the, the knowledge? And, and there's so little uh, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of being, in terms of relationship with self and with others. Of course, there's notions of teamwork that come into play. But um, how can you grade that, you know, uh, on a subjective scale? And so, usually, the, we tend to uh, associate, you know, these elements of, um, of doing with... Um, the notion of achievement and task. And, and the reason why is that, um, again, it's measurable, it's quanti- quantifiable, 
And um, it you know, serves many different kinds of purpose based on your performance. Performance is a big word in terms of doing. Um, you're going to get promoted to this and that level or you're going to make more money. So we are all into the world of, of doing. And what... Um, what really matters really in terms of doing cultures, I will talking about cultures here, is the notion of commitment. And you tend to be committed to a task or committed to a project, to something you have to accomplish. When on the other side, think about this inner being and this uh, relationship thing with people or with yourself. And usually the way you approach your inner life is is more or less defined by the quality of the relationship you have with your life. You know, if you think that you're like this French woman on the, on the blog, that she's a, is a, a bad mother, as she's feeling of guilt because she thinks she's a bad mother, it's a, it's a key element that defines who you are for yourself. For yourself. The, the, the whole world may think differently, but if within you have this idea that you're a bad person, this is what the relationship defines with yourself, uh, tells you in a sense. That's a kind of feedback that it's, it's sending you. And so this important um, notion of being in a sense, and in terms of um, components, I would say, in terms of relating to the relationship, what is important as opposed to the notion of commitment is the notion of promise. Because in affiliation or being-oriented cultures, you make promises to people. You can't make a promise to a task. You can't make a promise to a project. And this is like a, a dance. I'm talking about a dance in the title of the show today, but a dance. We, we dance quite often with our uh, trainees, you know, looking at personal preferences, but also looking at, at company policies. You know, when you talk about the bottom line in a, in a corporation, uh, the bottom line being, um, it's not a well-understood term outside the US or North America, the bottom line referring to the amount of, of profit you can make, you know, the minimum amount of profit you can make. Um, that is very much of a doing, a doing orientation. When you make a promise to, to a person, uh, there's no quantity coming into play uh, it's just you and your relationship if it comes to inner being or you and, and the other persons if it comes to to a relationship and the process work very very differently because in in culture that are more affiliation or people oriented usually it takes a long time to to trust people because you have to get to know the people you have to get to know what the person is what he or she prefers as opposed to doing cultures, because in doing cultures, you know, achievement and doing something is so important. And, you know, we get to, need to get going as soon as possible. We need to get things done. And usually the trust is being built along the way. But trust is not such, um, such a big block. And in affiliation oriented cultures, you know, if trust is not there, it's very difficult um, to get going and to do something together. And again, relate this to this notion of of, um, of inner being, what relates to your own inner life. If you don't trust yourself, if you don't think you are capable of doing something, how can you move forward in your life? You know, how can you make a promise to yourself that you're going to be doing something if, if at, at the very bottom of your life there's not the basis that you need, the, the trust that you need, I guess, the love that you need is really what is there. I was um, 
reminded something again, something again today, what I was reading this morning, I don't remember what it was, but maybe another blog for my friend Elisabeth Berger, but um, this idea of, of love and self-love, I think in fact, it's something that I've written to her in response. And um, it's something you need to build within. Um, Moving this idea of plowing the field, you know, removing what uh, no longer serves us and replacing it by something which is uh, of value, of value to oneself and then by extension of value to others. So what I wanted to show in this short description of, of the differences between achievement and affiliation is that there's really two different tendencies. And again, where, the way we are being conditioned, where we are being socialized in our world, um, the doing text to, tends to take a, a great uh, precedence. There's a lot of emphasis on the doing. And um, except in, in spiritual schools or religious schools, you know, there's very little emphasis on, on what it is to grow, what it is to blossom, what it is to search. You know, th this is not taught in, in elementary or middle or, or, or high schools. And um, it's like one side of ourselves is being put to, um, I wouldn't say to rest, but being put to, um, the word that comes to mind is dormant, you know, is dormant. And, and except if we find ourselves obviously outside, uh, outside mainstream society, outside our work, we need to have to find a, um, a path or a way to um, to acknowledge um, this um, inner being dimension. Uh, what what is evolving within us? You know, there's something we need to to give uh, attention, attention and care. And so that's the emphasis I wanted to to show. Promises and commitments. Uh, how do they work? Uh, it's good to be able to relate to, to what goes on in our lives. Obviously, we have to have commitments to our families, to our employers. Um, I've said that earlier on, but we have to put bread on the table as well. And there's things we need to do. But it doesn't mean that you know our, our own self cannot take center stage at the same time. And there's things that are possibly not acceptable coming from other people. And we have to stand our own truth. We have to stand our own uh, strong in our path and, um, and move from that point on. So all of this goes back to this idea of you know, plowing the field. And um, I haven't ha had yet a chance to talk about uh, seeding the field, but uh, it seemed it would be um, a good topic for one of the weeks uh, coming up. One point also I wanted to make uh, right before I leave you today is um, this idea that I mentioned last week in terms of what is needed on the path, this idea of determination, perseverance, and patience. I think these are qualities and possibly skills that again come from within, from our inner being, and it's something we can cultivate. At the same time, it's almost like a dance also, but I think comes into play very often this notion of surrender. Surrender and letting go. And I would like to spend some time um, talking about this, um, most likely next week. I think the idea came this morning. 
but it's also a dance, a dance between um, some quality that possibly harder uh, determination, perseverance, and patience, and some that may be softer on, on the surrender and letting go side. So these are the words I wanted to leave you with. I wish you a, a great week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giles Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.